and welcome to episode 246 of the Veg Grower Podcast. My name's Richard and I like to grow food in my allotment and garden. At the moment I'm just sat in my podding shed because I'm waiting to have a chat with two authors, Isabel Lloyd and Phil Clark, authors of Gardening for the Zombie Apocalypse, a book I've spoken about quite a bit recently. That's coming up a bit later on when they get here, but in the meantime let's find out what I've been up to over the last week in my allotment and garden. Well, it's Saturday the 23rd of November 2019 and I've had an afternoon at home today in the garden. But, well, actually, I've been in the garden in between rain showers. It feels like at the moment, every time I plan to work in the garden, it plans to rain, which is really annoying. But it does mean there's plenty of water in my water butts, which actually brings me up to my first task that I tackled today. Now, alongside my path next to one of my sheds, I have two 100 litre water butts. Well both of these were full of rainwater and I decided it was time to pump some water from this into some of my spare collapsible water butts which I keep at the very top of my garden. By using my water butt pump and a long hose I simply just pump the water from these butts into one of my collapsible ones. That's just going to provide me with a bit more water for next year. By doing this, it means I don't run out of rainwater throughout the summer at home. So that's my main reason for doing it. While I was pumping this water, I set up a third 100 litre water butt that I brought a few weeks ago from a garden centre that's basically closing down. And it was selling this off cheap. But I couldn't complete setting it up because it was missing the tap. Not the end of a well, because I can just simply run to a garden centre this week and buy a new tap. But it would have been nice to have got this done today and capture some of this rainwater that's falling again now. Now after that I then set about cutting up some more wood ready to take down the allotment and build some more beds. This is the wood that I've been discussing quite a bit lately. Now tomorrow I plan to build another bed just next to the one that has already been built. And it's just basically making use of this time of year when there's not really a huge amount that can be done in the garden and just cutting up all this wood and getting things built just my little way of getting ahead is what I like to say it. Now just as I finished doing this task it started to rain again so I ran into my potting shed and I set about washing more of my plastic pots and trays. You may recall a few weeks ago I had started doing this. Well, I still have more to do and it just seemed like the ideal opportunity to get on and do this. Now, I only use water for washing out my plastic pots and trays. I know some gardeners will use a garden disinfectant such as Jay's Fluid, which is great for ensuring that no diseases get passed on to next year's plants. However, I just use water. It's never let me down and it means I can just throw it into the garden, onto the plants outside without any problems. And all I'm doing is cleaning away all the dirt, just making them... A bit cleaner and also hopefully means they're not carrying any diseases that may be passed on next year. Well that's it for today. It's five o'clock and it is pitch black already. These evenings are really drawing in and it's getting a little annoying in some ways. But it is this time of year. It is to be expected. Come the summer we'll be moaning it's too it's not dark enough. Well it's Sunday the 24th of November 2019 today and I'm down on the allotment after what I feel has been a rather productive day on the plot. Now earlier as I first approached my plot I was excitedly looking ahead like I quite often do. I'm really excited to get on my plot sometimes. But as I was looking ahead I sort of looked at my greenhouse and thought there's a panel missing. A panel of glass. So I rather abruptly stopped the van, 
ran over only to find actually the glass panel was there. It was just so clean that it just looked like it was missing. After that panic, I set out removing the wood from one of my beds. Now this bed is meant to be growing shallots this year, but I haven't planted them out yet, which is why I figured this was going to be the ideal opportunity to replace the wood surrounding these beds. It was just as well, because as I removed the wood, it was actually very rotten in places and uh, a lot of it was missing. Now with the old wood removed, I then built the new bed using this new thick wood that I'm using a lot more now. And I've spoke of quite a bit lately. This did involve digging out some of the soil as the beds that are being moved slightly, just to make some better paths. With the bed built, I then filled the path around this bed and the beds that have been built over the last couple of weeks with some of the wood chip that has been sat in the corner of my allotment site for months. You may remember uh, earlier in, in this year, I said there was a large delivery of wood chip that the council have basically chopped down a load of trees and shredded as they're building a road. And it was kind of left in this corner for us to use. It's barely been touched in that time. So I, I used a load of it in my paths earlier this year and it really paid off. It did keep the weeds down quite a bit. So while it was still there, I just figured I'll, I'll add some more to the paths while I can. It's not the best looking stuff. It's quite rough, but it will do this job. As I say, it's just to keep the weeds down and make a, a nicer little path. Now after this, I then half filled both the bed that I built today and the bed that was built a couple of weeks ago with some of the manure. Now this manure is not well rotted at all. It's going to take a while to really rot down. Now that's not a problem because I am just using it as a base layer because I then covered this manure with compost from my compost bin. You may remember that this year I've been running an experiment where I've been running over all my compost materials with a lawnmower to chop all the bits up nice and small. I was hoping this was going to make a better compost and I was right, it did. The compost was a really lovely black crumbly compost. It just smelled so good. Now because the material was chopped down so small, it not only rotted down a lot quicker, it was also easier to turn, easier to dig out. It did reduce in volume by quite a bit and quite quickly. I think I'd filled my bins right up to the top and they had reduced by about two thirds. So that's quite a large reduction in volume. But anyway, the resulting material was just, it just looks so good. The ultimate test of course is how plants grow in it. We'll see how that gets on over this next year as always. Just as I finished filling these beds up, it started to rain, which was a bit annoying because I really wanted to just plant out my broad beans and peas and get those into the ground. Now, these are my overwintering ones that have been in the greenhouse for a while, but they are ready to go out. I've hardened them off a bit, but the rain has scuppered the plants to get those in the ground. So instead, I've just placed the plants on top of the soil and I've covered them over with one of my EnviroMesh cloches for the time being. Hopefully, I'll get those in the ground over this next week. But the EnviroMesh would just protect them from birds and a bit of the, the cold weather and, and probably the wind as well, just for the time being. Well, that's it for today. I'm going to escape this rain and go home. This week's tip of the week from the RHS Plant Grow Harvest Calendar reads, If you had an especially successful year, you may still have some parsnips and Brussels sprouts to harvest now. Well actually there's a lot more to be harvested now than just parsnips and Brussels sprouts. I've got plenty of chard, I've got cabbages, I've got a hell of a lot of vegetables still coming in. Now I can see Isabel and Phil are just approaching the shed so I'm going to go let them in and uh, we'll sit down, put the kettle on and have a chat.
Well, I'm joined today by Isabel Lloyd and Phil Clark, writers of The Gardening for the Zombie Apocalypse. Welcome to The Shed, guys. Thank you for joining me. Yeah. Pleasure. Thanks, nice for, thanks for having us in your shed. Thank Fantastic. you. Fantastic. Now, I want to talk about your book a bit later on because I absolutely love the book. And as I've said many, many times, it's a very insightful book. But for the listener at home, let's find out a bit about you and your background. Well, we, do you know what? Uh, truth be told, we first started gardening. We had a little maisonette in Hackney. This is in the late 80s. And with that came a small patch of ground <laughs> right at the back of the sort of house. And neither of us had ever gardened before. And we took it on ourselves to sort of clear this, this patch and grow some grass. And <laughs> that's what it was to you know, plant a lawn. And um, we uh, spent then stupidly spent all our money on gardening equipment <laughs> and grew this lawn. But it's something I think it sort of lit a you know, fire in us uh, about growing. And, and certainly for Isabel, who then became, I think, a, a, an avid and keen gardener thereafter. Uh, and that's actually how we started. And we're not trained gardeners at all. And when we wrote the book, we were very mindful of the fact that, uh, you know, we mentioned it at the beginning that, you know, were we to have, um, you know, encountered a zombie apocalypse, we would have only lasted two years because (laughs) we we weren't growing food efficiently. But the inspiration for that was that we're not trained gardeners, but we were always looking for books that would, you know, the book that we would want to write uh, or read as untrained gardeners. And that, in the end, became the inspiration for, for, for writing the book. Yeah, and about, so yes, that was absolutely right. And the, the, we didn't grow food uh, at all. I, did, I had a little allotment when I was at school, but that was a very long time ago. We didn't grow food for a long time, and we lived in London. We both worked in London, um, Phil made teleprograms. I was a journalist, so we, we would sort of, we had a, a shady London garden where you couldn't really grow vegetables. Um, but about 10 years ago, um, we decided we wanted to teach ourselves to grow our own food because we were worried not maybe about a zombie apocalypse, but about other sorts of apocalypses that are looming on the horizon. And we did want to learn. We felt we needed to be more resilient and more self-sufficient and more and to be able to support ourselves better and not rely quite so much on like being sort of silly babies in a cot, people just pushing food into our mouths. So um, we developed an area of pasture around an old barn in, in East Sussex. Um, some of it was a, an old sand school, which is a place where um, yeah. people used to exercise horses with a terrible surface, a rubber. Rubber, rubber and sand. Rubber and it? sand and, over and hard course, so no yeah. earth. So that was a site with no earth on it. And then around that was a bit of rather tatty pasture. And that we developed over the years into what we now call the zombie garden, which is um, a productive fruit and vegetable garden. We, we grow... A lot of vegetables in raised beds, so a lot of annual veg in raised beds. Um, we have um, a small area forest garden where we do fruit and nuts and, and perennial things like rhubarb and, um, and also ex- beginning to experiment more with slightly more unusual perennial vegetables. Um, and we have a small orchard um, which keeps dying. Become a zombie early. Yes, that's the far blight, keeps getting the plums. But we, So we've developed it over... 10 years and I'd say about seven or eight years in we started talking about the idea of writing a book as Phil said to fill the gap we've got a a shelf full of gardening books all of which are great and have all taught us something but none of them did the thing which we wanted when we first started on this journey to trying to be self-sufficient in fruit, fruit and vegetables which was just to lay out very simple things like exactly how much space do you need 
how much food value do you get from a certain amount of space? How many calories can you get from a square meter of ground? Um, uh, uh, and obviously, the basics about gardening we did already know. You know, I'd, I'd done enough gardening in London, Phil. You know, at, at our side, we'd done it together. That we knew the basics about food and light and seeds and the things that we talk about in the book. But the, the more nitty gritty stuff about growing food, we really hadn't found it laid out clearly. And we had also found that a lot of gardening books were very sort of lifestyley. Mm-hmm. So lots of pictures of ladies with trucks or sort of men in strong yeah. annoying hats. Sort of, yeah, yes. yeah. Very idyllic. Everything yeah. was very idyllic. And gardening's uh, not idyllic no. at all. It's, no, I've just been out there this afternoon. It's, it's not like great. The soul out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's yeah. tough. Everything goes wrong. Yeah. And, you know, you need the right tools. If you don't get it right, you stick a garden fork through your foot in the first day yes. out. So we wanted to do something that was a bit grittier, that was a bit more... It was entertaining in a different way. It was entertaining while also being truthful. And that also would appeal to a slightly younger generation of would-be gardeners who haven't had the advantage of learning from grandparents or parents how to garden, Hmm. who maybe didn't have any outdoor space to play with because, you know, the housing is so difficult now for that generation, Um, who were interested in eating plants, interested in a plant-based diet and maybe wanted to experiment moving on from their house plants that they've all got to actual food plants. So that was sort of, we got to this idea, let's set it in the zombie apocalypse, because we all know one's coming. And that generation completely get that as a metaphor for the challenges that are coming our way in terms of climate and food security and globalisation. Do we go with globalisation? Do we move away from it? Do we become more self-supportive as an island nation in terms of producing our own food? So those are all the ideas that fed into it. And because our backgrounds professionally were in communication and storytelling, if you like, that seemed a, a good, fun, and immediately accessible way of framing a grow-your-own-book, set it in the zombie apocalypse. That makes it fun. It gives you a theme. It gives you a sort of narrative to take you through it. But at the same time, make sure the information we give is very, very precise. So with, with the seed-saying advice, we really try to be absolutely, you know, this is foolproof. If you do this and, you, you know, disaster doesn't strike, you don't let your seeds dry out or they don't get too hot, it will work. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of general advice that you sow your seeds thinly, which if you're a beginner gardener, nobody actually knows what does that mean. Yes, absolutely. I've said that for a long time. Or even words like perennial. Yes, Yes, yeah, no, absolutely. Not never explained. And uh, but also in addition to that, we do like zombie films. Yes. So we do we do like a zombie film. We love a zombie film. So there there we go. So There's quite a lot of jokes about two, uh, you know, two favourite pastimes in one book. Yes, it's niche. It's the Venn diagram where gardeners cross over with zombie vans is probably probably quite small. It's a small overlap, but it's an important (laughs) one, and we felt that market needed to be served. (laughs) I have read your book, and I was blown away, blown away with it from right from the very beginning because it was such a easy to read book. But the information was useful, even as an experienced gardener. Right from the beginning, it was it was set out really well. The information was useful. It was on target with what I would want to hear, especially if I was a beginner. While at the same time having this sort of amusement level, this sort of funness about it, that that drew me in a bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exactly what we yeah. wanted to achieve. And I mean, that's you know, we may not be the best gardeners in the world, but no. you know, we have got some experience of. Telling stories. Hard one, yeah. yeah I hard, know, hard, hard one experience, you yeah, know. I know it's yeah. Off, yeah. And also, gardening is is 
fun. You know, yeah. it's, it's fantastic when something actually works and it grows oh and gosh. you get that thrill so rewarding, or you yeah. see it actually come to mm-hmm. life, mm-hmm. Um, you know, from a muddy, small, muddy mm-hmm. pot. Mm-hmm. You know, that is an amazing thing. Mm-hmm. And there is a sort of weird sort of you know zombies that sort of don't die come back from the dead and yeah. plants are amazing they yes. can come yeah. to life yes. you know yeah. uh year after year and it is an amazing thing yes. yeah i'm so glad you enjoyed it and i'm yeah. glad you felt that it was clear and fun and yeah, fun and entertaining and informative those are the three things we wanted it to be so yeah. it's very it's very gratifying to hear that that hit the spot yeah yeah well i'm, I'm recommending it i mean i was saying uh, earlier that i've got my wife to buy a copy for my brother-in-law because he's just taken on an allotment for a Christmas present and actually it's going on my sort of recommended Christmas present list this book thank you well I really appreciate it we appreciate the help but you know we're busy trying to spread the word but there's a lot of gardening books out there as you know there is there is but yours is set about from 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 all the others it's completely different (laughs) thank you good Back, back, back to the gardening. So you started ten years ago. You said growing food. What was the first thing you started growing? Do you remember? Yeah, it was potatoes. It, it was, was potatoes. potatoes. Yeah. yeah. Partly because of the time of year when we started, we'd spent uh, our first year. We didn't do anything. We yeah. just, on the advice of a very good gardening friend, we've been lucky to be advised by some very skilled professional gardeners, a landscape gardener friend, an ex-market gardener who lived around the corner. Um, the first year, we just looked and watched and saw how the plot worked and yeah. saw what the rainfall was like and you know learnt our site following summer we spent building raised beds uh, we decided that the best thing to do with that rubber surface was not mm-hmm. spend a fortune and kill ourselves trying to dig it all up no. and, and truck earth back in but literally just to build and we dug a big pond elsewhere on the site and took all the soil from the pond and put it into the raised beds mm-hmm and then topped it up with a bit of compost. It was mm. terrible, terrible quality. A lot of it was subsoil. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we added we added compost whenever we could. We used green manures a lot, which were that far really away helped, actually, the best thing yeah. we ever did. Yeah, it yeah. Was such, so good at improving poor soil quickly and with minimum effort and cost. Um, but so the timing was we, we, you know, had these raised beds with not very good quality soil in them. And it seemed like the obvious first thing, they had to be dug over because there were a lot of it was compacted subsoil that had come out of the pond and dig in what manure and compost we had. So we dug it over and did potatoes. And actually, oddly, the first year, they didn't do badly. They, um, there is, we do have blight where we are because it's the, we're in the warm southeast corner. We're sort of in Sussex. So yeah. we get quite a lot of Hutton periods. Um, yes. uh, so we did get blight, but not till quite late. There was a bit of beginner's luck with that first Yeah, session. I think so. But yeah. then it took years after that before we really worked out how to do potatoes in our site successfully. We've had yeah. great crops this year because we now finally worked out which varieties to use, how to protect them from the blight, how to deal with blight when you see it. You know, just all of that experience has yeah. built in. And I think we did parsnips as well, which were also great the first year. Yeah, we did but, parsnips. Yeah, yeah, but then a lot of things, yeah, we did the basic, we did broad beans, yeah. we did, uh, we put strawberries in quite I was going to say well. we got going with strawberries quite mm, early. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but in terms of actually being self-sufficient in fruit and veg, that took, I think oh it was... God. We're, we're at that five, point now, years. definitely, yeah. but it probably five to six years before we were starting to get to that Yeah, point. trial and error, yeah. Yeah, definitely. because we would lose crops, um, and I hadn't worked out as well how you gardened year-round. We, we Eventually, we put in a polytunnel and then another polytunnel. Now, I've got much better at um, planning and growing winter crops, which the first, year, the first few years, we didn't do any winter no. crops at all. It was just spring and summer mm. stuff. Yes. Uh, and obviously, you know, it, that's not going to keep yourself sufficient all yeah. year-round, so... 
so yes, and now and now we try and do as much as we possibly can from seed. Uh, we try and buy in as little as possible. We're gradually moving more and more towards using open pollinated varieties so that we can produce our own seed and save our seed. But yeah. we've still got a way to go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we're starting to move towards doing, we want to do more cereals as well. We'd like to experiment more with slightly larger scale things like oats and wheat. Yeah, and that we, would we be do, the next challenge. We I do think. them in dustbins at the moment, but yeah. we'd like to do them on a larger scale. We've got to work out what, if any, machinery we need in order to be able to do that because I'm really keen yeah. not to use fossil fueled machines unless we absolutely can help it yeah yeah yeah. that's the next challenge yeah we've been growing wheat in in dustbins and that's been really yeah yeah, it's really good fun and but you know we have got more space and it seems to us now that it's sort of like okay now we we sort of introduced ourselves to the plant as it were yeah how we you know now we we do that scale up yeah yeah you don't need a lot of space actually to produce enough flour for one family i mean but it's more about the mechanics of harvesting it and threshing it and getting the grain out and you know that's that's where it gets that's a, a bit yeah that's a boring tricky bit yeah. Yeah, yeah that's the thing we need to crack it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well it, it's interesting last week i was on an allotment site in shoreham east sussex and somebody there uh not the allotment site i was actually visiting but on another plot was growing maize and i was amazed how tall the maize was i mean it was probably 12 foot tall yeah yeah, I mean, I didn't really see it until I was just leaving, but it was shocking how well it grows. And that's, being East Sussex again, not far from you, that's a good sign that it'll probably grow quite well where you are. Yes, yes, I think you're right about that. That we, would be we, great. Yeah, wind would be the issue, because we're, we're top of a hill. We're on the south side of a hill, but we're still quite yeah. a bit near the top. So yeah. if you get high crops, we have to be careful where we site them, because they do get knocked flat by wind. So yeah. another one of the things I had to learn was, in the early years, we kept losing anything tall like a broad bean or we did sunflowers for seeds yeah. or we did sweet corn and you just get to the point where they're just about ready to really get going and then we'd have a windy day and to that end actually what has helped is you know we planted hedging and, and mm. you know windbreaks yeah. and, and as those have grown up over the 10 years mm. it has you know made life easier as well mm. for us to, to grow stuff in fact yes you asked what was the very first thing we planted that was the first it thing was we planted, hedges, was windbreak, yeah. wind, windbreak fruiting hedges so yeah. we did lots of mixed natives fruiting we chose fruiting ones where they were facing you know ran east from east to west so facing south yeah um and then the rest was just mixed native because it was such a windy spot and you could just tell yeah. everything was you know, we we went on Martin Crawford's forest gardening courses very early on, and one of the first things he talked about was wind, the importance of reducing yeah, wind in a forest garden. So wrote that down dutifully in our little notebook, and yeah. went back and ordered yeah. up some hedging packs. Yeah, we did, we did, and <laughs> stuck them in the ground. Yeah, and they're, they're booming now. They're lovely, and the wildlife loves it. Yeah. Absolutely loves it. You know, we get. A, Lots of bees and butterflies and birds nesting. Yeah, and you're trying to get that microclimate mm. around your yeah. vegetables, you know. Mm. So, yeah. 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 Um, mm, yeah. But 12 foot is really inspiring. inspiring. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's, yeah. I've grown quinoa before, uh, uh-huh. which is a type of grain. And, yeah. But to see this, I was absolutely blown away. Yeah. And it got me thinking, because I'm only, I mean, Littlehampton, West Sussex. Mm-hmm. So yes, it was yeah. like, well, again, it's not that far away. There's probably yeah. a good chance I can grow it. Yeah. As oh, well. Think, yeah, absolutely. I need to ask you about quinoa. I've not had a lot of luck with quinoa. Amaranth does great, which is a yeah. relative thing. So when you do your quinoa, do you start it in modules? Or do you do, open, do you just open sow it in open ground? How do you do it? I sow pretty much everything in uh, seed pots in my potting shed, and then I'll plant it on. 
and I found quinoa similar sort of growing conditions to sweet corn. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so and I just kept potting it on and then I planted it out May, June time. Um I'm going to follow your lead there, Richard, because I followed the seed packet the first two or three years, and it said sow in open ground, which I did. And of course, I think there should just be a ban on using that. <laughs> Particularly when you're growing something for the first time, yes. don't try and do it in open ground because yeah, it yeah. will go wrong. Yeah, yeah, it's just, you know, it won't yeah. work. Something will eat it, or yeah. you'll do it at the wrong time. It's too cold, or it's too dry, or it's yeah. too hot. So, apart from carrots and parsnips, everything I sow is in pots, and the reason I do that is so I know that that's what I've sown, and it's not a weed. Yes, 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 exactly. yes, that's a yes, really yes. good point. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes, and then yes. you can obliterate the weeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was another thing yeah. it took us a while to get good at was was dealing with weeds. And yeah, you know, um, yeah. But you know, you get you, there is so much to learn, and once you've learned it, I don't know about you, but I always feel like I'm mm -hmm. desperate to then share it with people. I want yes. to say, oh, I found out this yeah. brilliant thing, and this solves this problem that's been yeah. bugging us for four years, and now we've cracked it. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Another thing that um, I think we've had to steal ourselves to do was you know, we did use green manures quite early on mm. but of course it's so tempting if you've got something like phacelia to just let it flower because it's amazing so the bees yeah. love it yeah. and it's you know to steal yourself to cut it down before yeah. you know it, it sort of gets to flower actually it's proved more difficult than yeah. doing yeah. a lot of yeah. things yeah. you know so um, a bit more ruthless about but it we are now. more ruthless yeah. now yeah yeah and get the more benefit from it Excellent, excellent. So what has been your favourite thing to grow? Oh, gosh. Mm. Um, I think it's something mm. different because every year some different things will go wrong mm. or fail. Yeah. Um, so what's been the most uh, non-vegetables, the thing I'm, I I'm completely still adore are lupins just because the, the seeds, there's something very pleasantly tactile about a lupin seed. It's a fat little packet and it's a really nice size to handle. Mm. And they make such vigorous seedlings so quickly. And then when they make full plants, they're like fireworks going off. Mm. So I love the vigor of a lupin. You know, there's a big root driving down mm. and a big spire driving mm. up. There's not much clearer a picture of the, of the extraordinary thing that a seed is. There's a little mm. tiny, hard, like almost like a grain of gravel. It's so mm. hard, mm. but it's full of all this life. Mm. So I love them. Mm. Veg, I think this year... Very pleased with my parsnips this year. Yeah, I was going to say, but parsnips. <laughs> they're, they're white, yeah. they've not got any canker, they're yeah. just they're lovely this year. But Fruit, raspberries, I think, I've got quite excited about our raspberries this year uh, in a way I hadn't before. Uh, <laughs> Whatever tastes so, good or does yeah. well for you, then you love it. You say, you're my friend. Yeah, yeah. You're my little little veggie friend and yeah. I love you. And then the next year when it went to it, it's told you, you you've, you've let me down. You've let you've me down. down. <laughs> <laughs> Again. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Anything oh, that does yeah. well is rewarding. But, I mean, yeah. you know, when I – it took me a long time, oddly, to work out how to do rocket. And then once yeah. once I got rocket going on our site, then I oh, I love that because yeah. it's, it's really – I love eating it. Yeah. And it grows very fast. It's delicious, that. Yeah. The other thing I think we got a bit excited about this year was, of course, cabbage, which we hadn't done oh, before. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, uh, the, yeah. The spring, we did a spring, spring cabbage, cabbage yeah. which we hadn't like, done before. And, yeah. and that I had thought I would – you know, might not do well, but actually – yeah, again, very rewarding as long as you protect it. It's yeah. all about protection. Um, so, yes, yeah, anything anything new you do for the first time that does well, anything old that you've done before and hasn't done well and now it does well. Yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah, they change, don't they, yes. each year, I think, is pretty Yeah. There's good. a colour breezy I really love called Green Magic, but it's an F1, so strictly speaking, a zombie apocalypse, you shouldn't be using it, but I like it because yeah. it's ever so quick. Yeah. And it makes one nice big fat 
head and then it does lots of little sprouting heads as well and yeah. it kept last year we did it it kept going it was harvested for about nine months which is nuts you know you'd think yeah. a calabrese would just be one cut and it was over and yeah. it just kept on coming yeah. i've always said that my favorite is whatever has just came into season so those first peas those first strawberries and they are always the best yes mm. yes yeah, that's very true. We had a good um, harvest of uh, plums this year, mm. and I got quite excited about that again. And that's, you know, it's been a couple of years since we had a good harvest. Mm. Desperate to get them in, mm. you know, in mm. time before the, the wasps and the birds mm. and everything mm. else gets them. Mm. But, um, mm. yeah, so yeah, I completely concur with that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Fantastic. Now, uh, do you have a favourite tool? This is always a question that throws some people. Yes. Uh, yes, no, garden fork. Yeah, fork. Definitely. Yeah. Fork, is, is, fork king. is king. And yeah. we've, you know, had a lot of specialist tools over the over the years. You've tried different specialist tools and always come back to the fork as yeah. being um, yeah. amazing, you know. Even from, uh, you know, digging up dock leaves, we've mm. used specialist stuff. And it, it's all right, but actually you get a fork in there yeah. and whoop, up yeah. it comes. Yeah, um, yeah and a it's fork. The, it's, the, um, it's, the, it's the payoff between having, you know, a spade is great, but you've got one straight thin edge to push down on yeah so your 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 own weight is being spread out across a large area if you because yeah. we garden on clay mm-hmm. so this is it's, heavy yeah or um, stick when you yeah, dig yeah. so you don't so, yeah. that need a spade so less is yeah. much much easier in heavy soil because you get all your pressure is going to those five little tiny points or yeah. four tiny points also obviously they're good for killing zombies yeah it's a great combat tool <laughs> 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 yeah well multi-use multi-use <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's very it's permaculture, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, you yeah, know, yeah. multi-use of yeah. uh, of one instrument. Yeah, implement. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's the Caribbean style of gardening where their tool is the machete. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, yes. I don't yeah. know if you've ever seen them garden with it. It's such a oh, fascinating oh. way to see. Yeah. Well, we do have we have a little machete that because we use for cutting back stinging nettles and brambles and things like that. Yeah, but, but I wouldn't uh, know how you actually garden with it so do, yeah. what do they use it to um cultivate they use it for weeding they use it for digging small plants in it's That's so cool. it Amazing. Is, yeah we yeah. was in honeymoon in st lucia five years mm. ago now yes and i was fascinated just watching these people garden with this <laughs> large knife well yeah <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what? They're yeah. definitely going to survive the apocalypse, yeah. aren't they? They're just sorted. Yeah, machetes. Yeah. Like, yeah, they've okay. got fantastic fertile soil. They can yeah. grow anything, and yeah. they've got machete to hand at all times. Yeah. What they don't have is what we've got, is cloggy, yeah. you know, sodden yeah. clay. Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, no fork, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Fork, fork. Good choice, good choice. Well, I think we'll wrap this up about now, because it's about time. So thank you so much for joining me in the uh, shed today. It's been great yes. as always. Thank if anybody that. wants to find out more about you and more about your book, where do they go? Okay, so our website is, unsurprisingly, it is gardeningforthezombieapocalypse.com. That's all one word. And we're on um, Twitter at, uh, at The Zombie Garden. And on Instagram, we're gardening gardens for with capital four so gardens for with a numeral for uh the zombie apocalypse so we're everywhere and you can also find our book online on amazon and in all good bookshops <laughs> <laughs> fantastic i'll add links to all those sites in the show notes for this podcast thanks again yeah it's a, a pleasure real pleasure chatting yeah See you thank again. you Cheers. bye
Well, there were great guests, I'm sure you would agree. Now, I have spoken about the book quite a bit lately because it is actually a really, really good book and I highly recommend it. If you are looking for a Christmas present for a gardener, then I also highly recommend that. It's a bit of a laugh, bit of a giggle, but also educational at the same time. Of course, all links will be added in the show notes for this episode. But that's it for this week, so please take care and I will see you again next time. <laughs>